I want to introduce our speaker today, who is not me. Um, praise God. Um, it's been a relaxing weekend. Um, so um, Trent Johnson and Julie Johnson, would you both come up here? Um, so Trent and Julie are old friends of mine. Well, I shouldn't say they're old. We've only known each other for like 43 years, but uh, back from, from camp days, um, and I think our grandparents knew each other before. Anyway, we won't go into that. But uh, so Trent and Julie were pastoring in Cloquet, and then in Carlstead, in 28 years, they've been in Shoreview at one of our Fellowship of Christian Assemblies sister churches there, and they also supported us when we were, uh, that church supported us while we were in, in Tanzania. And um, Trent is a good preacher, so I thought, well, he doesn't have to be in his pulpit, so he can be in ours. Because recently they resigned there, and you may have noticed that Rich and Sharon Dobler have not been here. Uh, that's because they're interim pastoring there. Um, and Trent has been hospice chaplaining, and then God kind of uh, surprised them with a, a call to Antwerp, Belgium. I'm going to let them say some more about it, and then I'm going to pray for them. And so we have two purposes. One is to hear a good preacher. The other one is to, so you guys can get to know them before they go, so that you can be praying for them as they go into this new venture, so that we can be sending them out. You may, others of you may have met them because when they finished in Shoreview, they moved into St. Paul in Energy Park, and they, we thought well, they were going to be with us. And then God took them someplace else, um, fortunately or unfortunately, so... Um, and you also know, I think, Sierra and Toon, who are missionaries that we support, their daughter in Thailand. So, um, yeah, say, tell us a little more about what's going on. Good morning, church. It's good to be here to, today. We are grateful for your friendship over the years. Um, all the different Fellowship of Christian Assemblies events that we've seen each other at, uh, family camp and so forth. But um, mostly we are grateful for the friendship that we've had with Steve and Jan. And um, before they left for Kenya, when they'd come back, uh, we'd always have them at our house and get together. And then now it's been really a treat to be able to be in the same area. They live not very far from us. Um, so we're very grateful for their friendship and that Hannah will be renting our house that we just purchased in January. And so it's great to have a, a lovely, responsible Christian woman who will be renting from us. Um, we would greatly appreciate your prayers as we are in the middle of transitioning and creating all the paperwork and documentation and making all the decisions of what stays here and what we take with us and um, just all the things that go into a move but are so much more complicated because it's international. And so if you would be willing to pray with us, um, I created a Facebook page called Americans in Antwerp. And so if you wanted to find that page on Facebook, you could then go there and we're going to keep updates with prayer requests there. And we would love to have you join that and pray with us for those things. So thank you very much. As I'll be preaching, I'll keep these remarks brief, but uh, as Steve mentioned, he and I have been in relationship with one another for 43 years. Uh, you'll understand the significance of this once I get into this morning's message, but I believe that outside of family, my relationship with Steve is the single longest, continuous, ongoing relationship of my life. I think that's true. I, I'm... Well, yeah, no, I met, I met you before I met Julie. Yeah. I have known Steve longer than I know my wife. I don't know what that means, but there you have it. 
yes, as Julia said, we do appreciate the, the, the prayers that you offer up on our behalf as we go to, to Belgium. Uh, we have had a, um, a long relationship here with Bethel Christian Fellowship. I can remember as a teenager uh, attending uh, youth retreats here at Bethel, uh, worshiping every summer with uh, young people uh, at Sand Hill Lake Bible Camp who uh, joined us from, uh, uh, from the congregation here. Um, more recently, uh, your support on behalf of our daughter and her husband in Thailand has been so appreciated, uh, such a blessing to us. And uh, when Steve offered uh, the opportunity to come and share with you this morning, I considered it an honor, uh, a privilege to, to be here and to share from the, the word and hopefully a word of encouragement, a word of edification. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, the relationship we've enjoyed down through the years and uh, hopefully an ongoing relationship of prayer uh, on our behalf. We, uh, we appreciate it greatly. Thank you. So I'm going to pray for them and we pray with me. Um, Lord, we thank you for Trent and Julie. We thank you for their many decades of ministry in the Twin Cities and in outstate Minnesota. And Lord, we pray that you would be with them now as they pack, as they go, that they would notice and receive your promise that uh, as they go making disciples, you would be with them in every situation, in every um, in the challenges of this international congregation that they're going to be going to pastor and, and a, a large congregation as the only staff, the, the pastor, and that all the, all the challenges that are part of an international move, um, God, would you undertake? And Lord, they, um, they don't even know all the challenges. Obviously, none of us do. But we just pray that you would be there, not only that you would bless them, but that you would make them a blessing as you did for Abraham, that you would bless them and make them a blessing, Thank you, and that the nations would be blessed. All the nations yes, that are in Antwerp, all the nations that are in that congregation, yes, would you bless them through Trent and Julie, and bless them also as they are transformed in that ministry and in that experience. Amen. Amen. And bless the word. Amen. Am I responsible for bringing up the title? Ah, there we go. All right. Thank you. Uh, very quickly, before we go to the word, uh, just a little bit more about, uh, about Antwerp. Uh, Antwerp Christian Fellowship, where we'll be serving, uh, is an English language congregation in Antwerp, a congregation at least pre-COVID of approximately uh, two to 300 people, uh, more than 35 different language and people groups represented in the congregation, uh, any number of congregants coming from North Africa, West Africa, East Africa, uh, as well as various points in Asia, uh, South America, uh, North America, uh, 
the globe. It's, it's very much an international city and very much an international congregation. The congregation has been in existence uh, since the 1980s. Uh, God has blessed the congregation in its ministry to the international English language speaking community in Antwerp, and uh, we're excited uh, at the opportunity to go and to be a part of, of the ongoing story that uh, God is unfolding there uh, in the midst of, of that city. Uh, we've been blessed by a wonderful group of congregants who are serving as a, uh, a transitional team, providing us with all manner of logistical and paperwork support. Uh, we feel like we're in a good place as far as our transition. Uh, at this point, we have been able to rent out our home here in St. Paul, as you've heard. Uh, Hannah Rasmussen and, uh, oh, and Liz. Did I see you come in, Liz? Oh, I thought I saw Liz come in. I, I maybe missed her. But, but anyway, yeah, we, we've been able to secure a home in Antwerp. So we'll go straight from the, uh, the airport to our, our house, which is terrific. Uh, we're taking our cats with us, which is crazy. Uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about praying for cats. I don't know. I, you know, I, I have to admit, praying for my cats is not high on my priority list. But if you should feel so led... Feel free. Um, we are scheduled to depart the U.S. on uh, the 25th of August. Uh, our first official Sunday in the pulpit in Antwerp will be September 5th. Uh, so yeah, things are moving quickly. Keep us in your prayers. All right. Security. And I think you're going to need to bring me down the house. I'm not as soft-spoken as I was just a moment ago. <laughs> security. A sense of personal security. A sense of security for one's family, for one's community, perhaps for one's nation. Even a sense of security for our world as a whole. I would submit to you this morning the notion that the desire, the drive, frankly, the deep-seated need for a sense of security is for many people, uh, probably most, it, it's more or less as intense as any other basic human desire, drive, or need. Think about it, folks. Uh, the, the current right-left political divide we see in our nation, how much of that has to do with differing visions of what it is that provides for personal, communal, national security. There are those on the right who feel security is a matter of personal freedom. There are those on the left who feel security is a matter of government provision. And so the divide goes. This COVID contention we've recently experienced in our nation, perhaps are still experiencing to some degree. How much of that has to do with issues of security? Is security found in masks, sanitizer, distancing, limiting group sizes? Or is security found by maintaining the economy, maintaining relational contact for purposes of social and even mental health? Completely different, I mean, diametrically opposed perspectives, and yet the common thread, security. What's going to keep me secure? I mentioned my relationship with Steve a few moments ago. 
my longest, my single longest human relationship. The relationship I share with my father. That's Richard in the picture with me up there. This picture was taken just uh, less than a week ago. He's been my dad for 57 years. So now you know how old I am. Uh, he, he was there literally from my first day on earth. Uh, it would not surprise me if my father lives another 15 or 20 years. He's that sort of guy, comes from that sort of stock. If I somehow managed to live that long, well, that would be a relationship of perhaps 75 years or more. 75 years of relatively safe, stable, strong, substantive relationship. With all due respect to my father, I'm sorry. But from where I stand, that is a drop in the bucket compared to what I truly, deeply, essentially need when it comes to safety, stability, strength, substance, all of these things. Just another way of saying security. So if it isn't duration of relationship, well, maybe it's, maybe it's intimacy of relationship. All right, you've already met Julie. These pictures were taken a few weeks ago over in, uh, in Como Park. My most intimate human relationship is the one I share with my wife, Julie. It's wonderful. It's glorious. It's God's good and grand gift to me. But with no offense whatsoever to my wife, However safe, however stable, however strong, substantive this relationship with Julie is, it falls short of what I really, truly, deeply, essentially need in terms of my foundational need for security. And here's the thing. If a lifelong relationship with my father, if a deeply intimate relationship with my wife, if these relationships can't provide me with the security I need, and listen, I will be the first to say, choose to disagree if you will, but, but I firmly believe relationships, relationships in, in terms of our human existence, these, these are perhaps our most important source of security. If these relationships can't provide, should it come to us as any surprise? Things like money and stuff and power and position and the perfectly stabilized and balanced circumstance. You know that thing you always see on the horizon, but you never quite get there? That's when life is going to be good. All of this that is presented to us as the quote-unquote source of security, foundation for security. None of these even begin to provide the safety, the stability, the strength, the substance I need. Listen, I'm as guilty as anyone. I have looked to these things at various times and places in my life to provide security. I have looked and I'm left looking. I'm left longing for some real security. Hear the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11. We begin reading in verse 8. By faith Abraham. When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance. He obeyed and went. 
though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. He was looking forward to the city with foundations. His architect and builder is God. Now, these three verses, they're part of the basic primer of New Testament scripture with which most of us are familiar. How many times have you read these verses yourself? How many times have you heard them read? In how many sermons or Bible studies have you heard these verses feature prominently? We know this text. Be forewarned. What I'm sharing today in, in briefly unpacking these verses uh, in terms of the, the here and now application that will follow, what I'm sharing this morning is very simple. Very simple. So simple that sometimes we lose sight of the truth of what it is I'm about to share. Abraham's story began in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was called out from paganism into a uniquely personal covenant relationship with the one true God. Our text here in Hebrews says Abraham's part in that covenant, very simple. To believe that the things God was promising were true. Uh, in reality, to believe that God himself was true. In other words, faith. By faith, Abraham did everything our text says he did. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. By faith, Abraham went to an unknown place and made his home there like a stranger in a foreign land. By faith, he lived his entire life in a tent, which is the epitome of itinerant, transient housing options. And why did he do this? Faith. Obedience. Okay, I get that. But, but why? Why the faith? Why the obedience? Why this life as a transitory, rootless, immigratory, uh, uh, migratory alien. Why live like that? Our text says Abraham was looking forward. Looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. This in Hebrews chapter 11 is given as the motivation. This is why Abraham did what he did. He was looking forward to a place of ultimate Security. No more having to worry about the headcount of your, your sheep. No more having to, to worry about the squabbles between your wife and her handmaid. No more having to worry about whether or not your nephew is keeping his nose clean. No more having to worry about this, that, and the other. The details of living as a itinerant sheep herder in a volatile political environment. No, it's a place of security, a place of rest. Abraham is looking forward to that. Now, I read those, those words. He's looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect is, and, and builder is God. And I don't know, is it just me? Or is there a, 
a six-ton elephant sitting smack dab in the middle of this text. What I mean is that by faith, Abraham obeyed God's call. He, he went to the place he would receive as a divine inheritance from a divine father. Excuse me, but, but isn't that in and of itself enough? Wasn't that in and of itself the achievement of security? Abraham was living within the boundaries of a territory to which God had called him. Abraham was living within the boundaries of a territory which God had promised to him. He had responded to the call. He had received at least the initial fulfillment of the promise. He is living in a territory which measured more than 10,000 square miles. He's living in a territory which would seem, for all intents and purposes, to represent most anything and everything required by a human being seeking safety, stability, strength, and substance. Surely, surely this promised land itself should have been sufficient to satisfy Abraham's longing for security. But nope. That's not what our text says. In fact, our text almost passes over the promised land as something of, relatively speaking, minor consequence. So as to arrive at this pinnacle of the city without foundation, whose architect and builder is God. Our text says that even residing in the land promised by divine covenant, Abraham was still looking, still looking forward. He was still seeking. He was still driven by desire, possessed by this need for a security only offered in this city without foundations. And he was not seeking an earthly Jerusalem. Let's be clear about that. He was seeking a city with foundations designed and built by the designer and builder of the cosmos. The Lord God Almighty. Now, what does that tell us? I suppose it tells us all sorts of things. But what does it tell us when a godly man, a man of profound faith, a man of profound obedience, he enters into the very thing to which God has called him. He enters into the very thing that God has promised him. And yet it still isn't enough. It isn't enough to satisfy the overwhelming longing for safety, stability, strength, substance, for, for security. I've climbed highest mountains. I've run through the fields. Only to be with you. Only to be with you. I've run. I've crawled. I've scaled these cities' walls. Only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I've kissed honey lips. Felt the healing fingertips. They burned like fire. This burning desire. I spoke with the tongue of angels. I've held the hand of a devil. It was warm in the night. It was cold as a stone. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I believe in the kingdom come. Then all the colors will bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. 
you broke the bonds and you loosed the chains, carried the cross and all my shame, all my shame. You know I believe it. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Almost 35 years ago when you 2 sang this song, it was on the airwaves, there were a lot of Christians who were very upset by it. How can anyone say they're a Christian and at the same time say they haven't found what they're looking for? If you found Jesus, you found it. End of story. You know, some things, they never change. There's always some Christians who, and I don't mean to be insulting or ugly, but they just haven't taken the time to dig a little bit deeper into the substance, the truth of God's word. Because whether it was Abraham, Abraham looking for the city with foundations. Now, we can dismiss Abraham. Well, he was Old Testament. And you know those Old Testament saints. I mean, that's what the faith chapter is all about. They were looking for something. But then, it was, then Jesus came. And that was it. What are we going to do with Paul then? What are we going to do with Paul's letter to the Philippians? Philippians chapter 3. What does Paul say? I'm pressing on to take hold. Not that I have already. What? Paul. Jesus knocks you off your donkey, calls you to himself. You've been a believer for 25 years. Not that you've already taken. You haven't taken hold of it yet. But Paul says, not that I've already taken hold, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I understand what Paul is saying in the fourth chapter of Philippians when he speaks of contentment, when he speaks of peace. But I also understand that Paul, till his final day, remained driven, desire, longing. I'm pressing on. There's something more. There's something more. I haven't found it yet. Whether it's Old Testament Abraham, whether it's New Testament Paul, whether it's people like you and me today, yes, we're redeemed, we're reconciled, we're renewed followers of Jesus, but it's not enough. We continue to long for a safe place, a stable place, a place of strength and substance. We long for security. Security that only God's unmitigated and eternal presence can provide for us. Now listen, folks, if you know anything, if you've just been here this morning and this is the first time you've ever met us, if you know anything about Julie and I and our recent history, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out where this morning's message is coming from. Last August, Julie and I left pastoral ministry with a congregation where we had served for more than 28 years. In doing that, I left 35 years of pastoral ministry ministry to become a hospice chaplain. Last December and January, we left a home where we had lived for 20 years, barring something completely unforeseen. When our story is said and done, Julie and I will have lived in that particular house, that particular home, longer than any other place we've ever lived during our earthly journey. We left that. We moved to, of all places, St. Paul. At present, 
My wife, Julie, she's in the process of leaving an employer, University of Northwestern St. Paul, where she has worked for more than 20 years. We have lived, to all appearances, a very stable, secure, strong, I would hope to say substantive life. But our new motto of late, why change a little when you can change a whole lot? In less than two months, God willing, we're going to be living in Antwerp, Belgium. Where's Antwerp, Belgium? Julie and I have traveled extensively over the years, but the longest we have ever spent in Europe for any one period of time, four weeks. We're going to live in Belgium for at least five years. Can you understand how it is that I might be feeling myself personally just a little less than safe, stable, strong? Can you understand how it is it, it feels like I'm trading a life of hard-earned substance for one altogether lacking in substance? Deep inside of me, there is a, there is a two-year-old child that has been having a, a, a continuous ongoing tantrum for months now. I want my security back! I want the structure. I want the system. I want all the familiar walls and floors and ceilings that speak to me of security. I'm not trying to be a crybaby. There are we live in a world where there are literally billions of people who have far, far, far less security than I do. But that doesn't change the fact this is my life and I'm experiencing it. And it feels pretty scary right now. All these things, they've gone away. They're in the process of going away. I feel like what I'm being left with is a pup tent out in the wilderness somewhere. And the worst part of it, all of this, all of this is true despite the fact I am convinced to the core of my being that Julie and I are doing exactly what it is God wants us to be doing. There's some tension in that. Maybe. Maybe it is finally time for me to start reworking my thinking and my feeling and my way of living when it comes to this thing of security or what it is that passes for security. Maybe, and uh, please tune in here. This is where this morning's message becomes a little less entertaining for you, maybe a little more uncomfortable for you, the listener. Um, up until now, this has been a fine and dandy little Bible study from the life of Abraham. And that last little bit of personal sharing where I put my heart on my sleeve, we're fine with that too. I mean, who doesn't love hearing about some poor schmuck who finds himself out on a ledge somewhere, desperate for God to save him? That's a great story when it's someone else's story. Okay? We're all fine with that. But here's the deal. See, this isn't just me. This isn't just me and Julie. This is this is every one of you, too. You're in the same boat, folks, whether you know it or not. Hey, maybe, maybe you're that teenager convinced that security flows from a river called mom and dad. 
Maybe, maybe you're a young adult, you're convinced that security is simply a matter of the right degree program, the right career path, the right choice of husband or wife. Make those correct choices now and your life will be set, secure. Maybe you're that person in your 30s, your 40s. You're convinced that security looks like another 1,500 square feet of house, a bigger or better vehicle, maybe a cabin on the lake, maybe the right stock and bond allotment in your 401k. Get all of that stuff right and, ah, secure. Maybe you're that older person, or like me, nearly older person. You've bought into that notion that security, security is all about managing the success of your life to this point. It's all about downsizing so as to make better use of your resources. It's maybe about wintering in a timeshare in Florida. It's about having the kids and the grandkids all within a 10-mile radius so that you can take care of them and when the time comes, they can take care of you. Yeah. It's about throwing back another dose of antioxidant vitamins. It's about another 25 milligrams of CBD oil. It's about embracing that killer exercise routine, all of which are going to keep aging at a distance. And all you need to do is look around you. You see it. Everybody else is getting older. Praise God you're not, right? Ah. <laughs> <sighs> All so that there can be that golden ride off into the sunset for you and the missus. Or the mister, as the case may be. Yeah. We, we've got our security well in hand, don't we, folks? We know where it's coming from, and we are actively engaged in making sure that everything is secure. Listen, I'm talking, I'm talking to me now certainly talking to you, there is this deep-seated primal ache within each of us for safety, stability, strength, and substance. But that security is found only in the city without foundations. It is only found in that city's architect and builder, the Lord God Almighty. Now, listen, until that city is fully and finally established as the new Jerusalem come down out of the heavens as the bride of Christ... That security, it is going to be found as best it can be found this side of eternity in the presence and in the person of God. To know God and to be known by God. And that's the bottom line. But Pastor Trent, I already know all that. You've spent the last 20, I don't know, 20, 30, whatever it's been, you've, 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 you just told me a bunch of stuff I already know. I told you this was going to be a simple sermon. It's true. We all know it. It's all cataloged. It's all on file. We know it. But do we know it? If everything we knew up here, we knew it down here. Well, we'd already have heaven on earth, wouldn't we? Sometimes the distance between what we know here and what we know here, it's measured in increments of millions of miles. 
I need to know it here. I need to know that it isn't about my house or my bank account. It isn't even about my human relationship. It isn't about all these things that present themselves as the ultimate source of security. It's about God. It's about pursuing God. It's about knowing God. It's about allowing God to know me. It is about pressing onward and upward. It's about looking forward to that city which has been promised. That's where the real security is found. All I'm asking of you this morning in response to today's message would be this. Take just a little bit of time. Take just a little bit of time later today or in the coming week to invite the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in your life. To, to practice some potentially brutal honesty and humility. Could it be there is some sort of promised land here and now that you have consciously or unconsciously decided is your source, your foundation of security. It's possible. And in that, in all likelihood, understand that, that, that thing that you've embraced, in all likelihood, it's a good thing. In many cases, it could in fact be a divine blessing, an actual gift from God. And yet somehow we have this, this incredible human capacity for taking the things God has given us and turning them into an end unto themselves. Maybe you've done that. You've made a foundation out of something that was never intended to be a foundation. And sooner or later, disillusionment, that foundation is going to crumble. We, we saw it just this last week, and I don't mean to be morbid. But you've spent all your life working hard, and you have invested your money in the condo of your dreams. You're living in Miami, Florida. You have a view of the ocean. Man, you've got it. moment. There's a strange noise, there's a little shaking, there's some crumbling, and you're buried under tons of rubble. 150 people are more dead and gone. And what for many of them was the epitome of their security. It sort of brings to mind that passage at the close of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus talked about a house built on sand. It's a house. What is more secure than a house? But when the true test came, the winds blew, the waves beat, the house was gone. That's a picture of what happens when we attempt to find our security, our strength, our stability, our substance, in something other than what God himself is drawing us to. It's God alone. The psalmist, huh, uh, the psalmist could paint word pictures. God alone is our rock. God alone is our strong tower, our refuge, our hiding place, our stream in the desert, our port in time of storm. God alone is the one who reaches out that hand even as we are sinking beneath the waves and pulls us up and says, come join me in the boat. God God alone is our security. Simple? Yeah. But just, just, just see, maybe in this coming week, the Holy Spirit can't take some of that from here to here. And in the process, maybe transform 
change, really change us just a little bit from who we've been to who it is we're becoming. We press on toward that city with foundations, real foundations. That city whose architect and builder, none other, is God himself. Father, Father, forgive us. We're foolish and fickle. We hear your word and promptly turn away and go looking for something else. We're hungry and we're thirsty. We ache with longing. We want something to build our lives upon. We want something to, to wrap around ourselves, to cover ourselves over with. We, we want some security. And you're offering it. You're offering it in none other than your, your very self, your very person. You want relationship with us. You want to draw us in and, and you want to impart to us that which we need. You've promised us an eternity of that which we so desperately need. God, forgive us for looking for it someplace else. But God, draw our, draw our hearts. Holy Spirit, draw our hearts to that which is true, that which is sure and eternal, that which is an expression of your promise to us, that which is your plan and purpose for us. God, by your Spirit, draw us to that true foundation, that true security. Draw us to yourself. Lord, may we know you. Lord, may we know you. Lord, may we long to know you in ways we've never known you before. God, you are faithful. You've begun a good work in us. You're going to complete it. That's your promise. Lord, we lay hold to that promise. We say yes and amen. We make ourselves candidates for the, the hard, sometimes painful process of seeing that work brought to completion. Lord, teach us to trust in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I believe the worship team is coming. I'm not even sure what we're going to sing in conclusion here this morning, but, but as we sing, um, if there are those who might want to come forward and find a place of prayer here, maybe the message has in some way touched on an issue you're struggling with in your own life, you just, you need to work it through. Maybe you spend just a few moments here. Maybe you're here well into the afternoon. I don't know. Depends on the depth of the issue. But, but please, don't hesitate. Feel free to come and find a place of prayer and to do the business that needs to be done this morning. God bless you.